The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Here we go! Welcome to Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Sutton and Janelle Attorneys at Law. Visit their new location at 224 West King Street, Martinsburg, and online at suttonandjanelle.com. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kabalik. It is Tuesday, the 22nd. You are tuned in to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, a full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs, family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, mediation. They provide legal counsel tailored to you. Visit our new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, and alongside me is Marsha Kavalik. Marsha, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Oh, hanging in there. It's a nice, uh, sleepy, rainy Tuesday morning. It, it was really a little tough is. to get it was a little tough to get out of the house this morning. It's, it's not bad, though. At least it's not like a hellacious thunderstorms. People still probably are without power in some parts of the listening area because of, of the, the storm that blew See, through. That must have been a heck of a storm yesterday. Uh, unfortunately, I was asleep during all of it, and the oh. dog didn't wake me up at all. But, yeah, I've been seeing all the uh, carnage of trees down and powers down and stuff, and I saw a bunch of uh, uh, electric company trucks riding around. And uh, Were you affected by that at all? No, you're kind of out there well, I mean, in the we trees. Had, we got a lot of rain, but I was listening to... EPM in the afternoon and and one of the alerts came over and uh you know it was a broad alert because right. it was like northern virginia and also somewhere in, in montgomery county or somewhere and mm-hmm. and then they're like you know 70 mile an hour wind gusts possible i'm like well that is dangerous and and hail yeah so we couple those together and like that's pretty you know pretty dreadful. Oh yeah, I think that was kind of the remnants of that tropical storm kind of coming through mm-hmm. the uh, area, but it's bringing some uh, cooler weather, which is nice because yesterday, the last couple of days were just way too hot, at humid, least for me. really humid. Yeah, I can handle uh, some 75 degree days, that's for sure, even if it's just a little rain here and there. But we do have our first guest joining us on the phone. It's 59th District Delegate Ken Reed. Uh, how you doing this morning? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Doing Did you guys fine. get any uh, damage over there in Morgan County? Uh, not that I could see. Uh, nah, not that I could see. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's that good is thing. good because, man, <laughs> I've been seeing a lot of uh, crazy pictures of trees down and power lines and whatnot. So I'm glad that uh, at least you weren't too affected by it. <laughs> I know. I think we're, we're doing just fine. Well, thanks for being on this morning. Of course, uh, top of mind, the governor has called a special session of the legislature this Thursday. Um, so are you going to be heading down tomorrow then? Uh, yeah, I'll be heading down tomorrow to for the uh, special session. And what do you anticipate? Do you think um, it'll be a, a long session? Do you think it'll just be done in a day? What do you What are you looking for? I, I'm hoping it'll be done in a day. They're they're wanting to reappropriate about 250 million dollars. Um, so uh, I believe it'll be. I'm um, hopefully it'll be done in a day. And if not, do you guys have accommodations and all that, or do you have to like you, you know? got to call Governor yeah, Justice up and see if he can't scrambles. give you a room. Everybody scrambles at that point, trying to find some place to stay. <laughs> if he keeps you late, you guys should just all go to the Greenbrier. Ooh, uh, or we just take our sleeping bags and sleep right there in the chamber. Oh, that's it. <laughs> see, that's it. Probably more likely, right? So um, we haven't had you on since the the session. So um, I, I you mentioned that. Uh, the, uh, one of the bills that you wanted to talk about was House Bill 2263. Talk about that. 
Yeah, yeah. Twenty two sixty three is a is actually a a pharmacy bill, uh, which I, I I do know quite a bit about that profession. It um, I think it's probably one of the most underrated bills that snuck through the session that will have the one of the largest impacts in the state of West Virginia. Um, the reason why it's not through is it doesn't really take effect until 2022. But one of the major components of this thing is it it uh, it regulates these entities called PBMs, which are called pharmacy benefit managers. And over the 15 years, over about 15 years, these entities have been um, getting bigger and bigger until there's only about three remaining, three large ones that control probably 80 to 90 percent of the entire pharmacy marketplace. They are the ones who who dictate pricing. And what this bill does is it, it, it allows the state to regulate those entities. Uh, before this, they were pretty much completely unregulated. And um, what allowed us to do that is last summer in April, there was a Supreme Court decision, a United States Supreme Court decision, an eight to zero that allowed the states to regulate these entities. And this is the first shot in West Virginia of doing so. And the big thing that it does is it requires the rebate that they are supposedly negotiating on behalf of the insurance plan to be actually giving to, given to the patient at the point of sale. Um, most people don't understand how big that actually is, but it's going to be huge. So, uh, it catches all the commercial plans. So will this bill help keep you know prescription uh, drug prices down for you know West Virginians? Because it seems like prescription drug prices are just going through the roof, uh, you know, month after month, year after year. They are, and they do, and hopefully it will. Um, these 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 uh, pharmacy benefit managers are very good at. Uh, moving through loopholes and stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, we, this is a very good bill, and we, what it did is we gave it teeth. The insurance commissioner now has the power to enforce these uh, type of rules. Um, I'm, I'm just taking a stab here, but it's probably going to save West Virginians probably about $450 million in the, in, in, per year. So this bill will kind of, um, for lack of a better term, stick it to the you know big pharma companies to let them know that you know these. No, it's not going to stick it to. That's the, that's the part of the problem is that the people get confused. They, they they mingle all these terms together. Right. It's not the pharma. Pharma is a drug manufacturer. Mm-hmm. These are these are the middlemen that, that are that basically that are cloaked in shadow between the drug manufacturers and the pharmacy. So the drug manufacturers are have to deal with these three or three companies, and they get these rebates that come back on the back end for them to be able to put on their formulary. But they are notorious for actually keeping those rebates and not passing it on to the end um, uh, person getting the medications, which is the patient. So in so, practical application, if I'm sitting with my doctor and she says, oh, I've got this great medicine you can take for your thinning hair, Marsha. <laughs> and so um, they've got a special rebate offer now and you can get $50 back if you go and get this particular brand. And so what you're saying is that somehow that, that rebate might have gotten um, sent to a middleman or lost in the ether and maybe not, I wouldn't have gotten the full benefit of it. Yeah, so what you're, what, what you're talking about is actually a coupon. 
and some of the manufacturers will offer these coupons, and they'll give them out to, to uh, doctor's offices to market their product, your $50 off. Now, the, these, these PBMs will negotiate huge rebates off of the list price of these medications, and they keep most of it. They don't pass it on as they should, because technically these companies aren't uh, fiduciaries of the healthcare um, insurance company. So we're trying to force them to actually do what they're supposed to do and pass those rebates on to the customer. Um, it will catch this, this law will catch uh, Highmark, which is the only um, insurance uh, carrier in West Virginia that uh, will come to this state. So it, it does catch that one. So, I'm pretty. I'm pretty stoked about getting it, uh, watching it actually work. Now, another thing that West Virginians are, especially in the Panhandle, are uh, interested about is this infrastructure money. Is that uh, going to start trickling down to you know Route Nine? There's a lot of, uh, especially going into Morgan County, uh, a lot of travel and a lot of uh, construction on that ideas. and the bypass and everything. Is that money going to start uh, finding its way to the Eastern Panhandle? Yeah, the, the bypass, is, the money is actually already there for the, the uh, 522 bypass. That was, that was approved in the uh, Roads of Prosperity uh, bond sale a while back. And they're actually up there, uh, I believe they're up there cutting trees now. It's actually started mm-hmm. for the 522 bypass. Now, Route 9, however, is in the beginning stages uh, of that. There, there hasn't been any money allocated yet for that because i'm not sure they know what they want to do they don't know where they want to four lane it they don't know if they want to just do a bypass around hedgesville um they are looking at about four to six corridors from martinsburg to berkeley springs that hooks up to the 522 bypass um they go around to the left and to the right of hedgesville uh they've had two at least two public forums. Uh, I was on the Zoom call with both of those, and they are taking comments from the public uh, about those uh, corridors at this point. And I think they're going to revise, take those public comments into account, and then revise some of those corridors and present um, ones to actually choose from. Uh, that, that, that project is like in the very beginning stages. I think they have to do the DEP studies over again and a few other things, but the, it is starting to move. So the answer to your question is yes. That I think that money is going to start flowing towards the eastern panhandle. So you know your district pretty much is Route Nine. <laughs> you, you, yeah, a lot of correct. your <laughs> I, I drive up Route Nine every day, up and back, up and back. What are you hearing from your constituents? Because when you talk about putting a four lane in, those of us who are just driving it think that sounds great but those of of you who might be in the path of it who might have to give up personal property through easements um might not be such a fan what are you hearing from your constituency is it mixed it's mixed it's a mixed bag and you you hit it right on the head it's whether or not the road actually impacts your your uh, residence or your property and the other big contingent that i've been hearing from is the 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 town of Hedgesville, the, the, the residents in the town of Hedgesville, they they are very vocal about what they want. Um, they 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 have had the opportunity, I think, a couple times to put a turn lane right there, and they've uh, they've fought that. So the answer to the question is yes. If it doesn't pass you, I do hear from those those people, but for the most part, 
it seems that the, the most of the people in the District 59 are looking to fix that problem. If you ever driven through Martinsburg to Hedgesville, it is a it is, it is a complete bottleneck. Mm-hmm. Now, an, today. now another big uh, I guess draw for Morgan County is Kekapin State Park, and I think it was March or May um, where Governor Justice announced uh, a bunch of new attractions and a new lodge up at Kekapin State Park. Now, how do you think that's going to affect you know maybe the Route Nine bypass or the traffic through there, and then the uh, county as a whole? I, I think it's going to do nothing but good things for the county as a whole. I, I don't know if you've been up there, but they renovated uh, the old part of Kekapin, and then they added on uh, a new um, part of the Kekapin Lodge, and it, it is gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. And it, it sits far enough down 522 that it, doesn't, it isn't really affected by either Route 9 or the bypass. Mm-hmm. But it will be a huge draw for those people, if you do four-lane a Route 9 from Martinsburg to Berkeley Springs and then hit the bypass and then hit 522, you have a direct shot to the D.C. corridor through Leesburg. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see – I think you're seeing that now, but you're, I think you're going to see a, a dramatic increase in uh, people from the east part of you know Maryland, Virginia, northern Virginia start to visit more often to Morton County, which kind of ironic is – Lately, I've been seeing a lot of New York plates. <laughs> everybody down, trying to get out of the cities. The yeah, everybody's, everybody's trying to, to, to get out. Right. Uh, but no, that, I, that the park is an extremely exciting part of the whole picture of what's going on uh, up there. We, we recently just um, got a substance abuse um, clinic. It's going to be going into one of the old schools that is uh, up there. Um, we're, we're looking forward to that to help that part of the problem. Um, there, there is a lot of really good things going on uh, in Morton County and in, in Berkeley County, since I represent both uh, districts uh, that I'm, I'm really happy to to be part of. We're speaking with 59th District Delegate Ken Reed. Now we have about a minute and a half left. Uh, other than House Bill 2263, are there any other pressing issues on your docket going into this special session? Uh, no, I, I'm a new delegate. Um, Therefore, I'm, I haven't really been invited to the, 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 the big parties that make these decisions. I'm in, I'm in seat 100 of 100. Uh, that tells you where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> well, goodness. But if, if somebody wants to ask, you know, I will definitely give them my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, but so far, they haven't. Absolutely. Well, uh, 59th District Delegate Ken Reed, thanks for calling in today uh, and sharing a little bit about the happenings over in Morgan and Berkeley County. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks. Have a good one. And stick around for more here on Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Taking local stories and sharing them with the four state. This is Panhandle Live. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Sutton and Janelle Attorneys at Law. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle. You can visit their new historic location at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Icewarner. Alongside me is Marge Kavalik. For the break, we had 59th District Delegate Ken Reed on to talk about uh, the things happening over in uh, Morgan County, especially with the Route 9 and the uh, 522 mm-hmm. you know, bypass areas. Because he straddles that Route 9 in his district. That's right. <laughs> and it's such a highly used road. I mean, it I'm is. trying to picture in my mind's eye what you know that trip to you know Hedgesville Berkeley Springs would look like with four lanes because it's such a pretty road you know it's a pretty there. road 
So I don't know how much how different that would look. I, I guess. think you'd you'd be able to relax a little bit because <laughs> I I will say okay I I love that road in the fall mm-hmm. a lot especially when I'm in a, a passenger because it's beautiful right but it can be a little white knuckle if you're you know because it, it there it's curves, windy oh yeah and, and not everyone you know drives the speed limit and you know you get someone right on your bumper and you're going around those turns. So having a little bit of relief for that might not be a bad idea. Right. But uh, if you drive down there, you, you'll see also that there are a lot of houses pretty close to the existing Route 9, which means unless they put a bypass in, mm-hmm. they're going to lose some of their yards. Or all some of, of their it. Yes, some of their... Yes, absolutely. They might lose their, their properties. Right. Um, and that's that's the give and take. Right. You know, and some of them have lived in those homes for, you know, generations. Absolutely. Because you can't, it's a, it's a lot harder to move a house, you know, mm-hmm. backwards than it is uh, to put, you know, a road in. So, yeah, I guess that's an uh, ongoing story that we'll have to keep right. an eye on. I'm sure, uh, as he said, there is some pushback, especially there through Hedgesville and whatnot, where it does get really tight, you know, to Route 9. I didn't ask him specifically because, you know, he's paid attention to the to the meetings, the public mm-hmm. comments. But it, it sounds as though, from what he said, they they would prefer a bypass over something coming through town. Right. I mean, because that makes sense. You can, I would imagine, you could see the the pluses to having you know a bigger road coming through mm-hmm. town and whatnot. It would bring more people through, make it easier to get through. But uh, as you said, on the flip side, people are going to be losing property, maybe mm-hmm. even losing houses. And those are his, some of those are very historic homes. Right. And the town spring is right there, really close to the road. Right. Um. You know how how much is the road impact? going to have on that you know the 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 construction if you've got a natural spring there Mm -hmm. and then you know with a bypass you're taking you know traffic that will be coming through and stopping at like the store you know or Mm -hmm. at the you know the post office or something like that you take that you know traffic away Mm -hmm. and then you think well now the town's you know empty other than people that are living here so uh, so many edges to that story Although I, I I have a feeling the the population there can really support that. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a Martin's now and the Burger King and the Kings and right. yeah, I'm, I'm right. I'm sure they're not going to stop going the the regular folks from the from the town. Yeah, well we'll have to keep an eye on that one as uh, it seems like it's going to be an ongoing uh, story here for us on Panhandle Live. Uh, but I did uh, uh, get a message. We were talking about power being out and lines oh, yeah. being down. Uh, my mom shot me a text. Of course, she's always listening to the show, right? She said she's Hello. listening. Yeah, she's listening on <laughs> her phone listening. in the dark at work at uh, oh, South no. Hagerstown High uh, because they have no power out that way. It seems like Hagerstown and uh, Southern PA, like uh, Waynesboro and... Um, uh, why my uh, Chambersburg and whatnot got hit really hard mm-hmm. by that storm. Last well, I know night. I had it on one of my um, newscasts this morning for our FMs that Hagerstown Power uh, Light Department or whatever mm-hmm. they were like, we're working through the right. night, we're trying to get the, all this, you know, resolved. So, do they have um, summer school today? Oh, if they Was that do, scheduled? If they do, it'll be like the classic by candlelight uh, summer schools. I guess today it's a prepper class. <laughs> I, I would like to do that. I I saw. I think it was Washington Washington County Schools. They were looking for a prepper teacher. Hmm. I, I, they probably called it something else. It wasn't prepper. Prepper class. Fourth period. Oh, I got prepping. I don't think they called it prepper. They call it survival or something. Anyway, cool. and now I'm now I feel like I should take my you words need one back. of those bug out bags, right? Yeah, that's it. The bug out bags. They didn't call it a bug out teacher either. <laughs> but that would be a cool class name. Bug out class. Yeah, that'd be neat. Homes instead of homesteading. Yeah, that's right. So. 
But uh, if you are experiencing any, you know, power <laughs> outages, cable outages, if there's road closures, trees down uh, anywhere here in the Panhandle or in the listening area, feel free to let us know uh, over on our Facebook pages. You can always uh, shoot us messages on there, and uh, we will get that news out because uh, it seems like that was a, a pretty bad storm around the area. But another thing that we want to talk about briefly before we head to the break and then bring on uh, Bob O'Connor, a local historian, to talk about uh, local history, is uh, Custard's Last Stand, the 145th anniversary Remembrance. It's going to be at 7 p.m. Friday, June 25th, this Friday at the Church of Christ at 290 South Green Street in Berkeley Springs, West Virginia. Uh, I'm just going to read the blurb as it's uh, uh, typed out. On the 145th anniversary of the Battle of Little Bighorn, award-winning author and military historian Steve French that we've had on the show before Mm -hmm. uh, will present an illustrated talk that will examine the background to the battle, the fight, its aftermath, and role in popular culture. Now, this is free and open to to anybody that's interested and wants to come by. If you want some more information on that, you can call 304-258-2563. It is hard to say that without saying custard. Was I saying custard? I I would have a hard time saying it without saying I I that's one of those I have to think about. Cust, <laughs> custards. I'm last more than stand. likely was saying custard. That's probably an ice cream shop somewhere. <laughs> custard last name. Yeah, that would be a great ice yes. cream shop name. Custards ice custards last scoop. What do you think? No, it's an ice cream stand. It has oh, to be the ice cream stand. stand. Yeah, that would be pretty Perfect. good. Perfect. Uh, but yeah, cust- custards. Last stand, the 145th anniversary. Follow me for more business tips. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be on Friday at 7 p.m. We'll have that over on our Facebook page as well. Uh, But after the break, we have local author and historian Bob O'Connor on uh, to talk about, again, local history. So stick around here for more on Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, part of the Panhandle story for 75 years. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton & Janelle, a full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs. Visit their new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me is Marsh Kavalik, and joining us in studio is local author and historian Bob O'Connor. Bob, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I Thanks haven't for been in. here in a while. I was going to say, friend of the program. <laughs> say, we've uh, been reminiscing, it seems, in here. Yeah, and I watched him put his head headphones on. I thought he was going to be precious with his hair because they were behind his <laughs> yeah. his hair for for a minute there, and then he then he propped him up like a proper radio guy. That's it. You can't worry about uh, headphone hair. No, no, no not at all. <laughs> what you been up to? Well, um, normally I do about ninety events a year. Last year I did four. Wow. Normally, I sell about a. Uh, I've averaged a thousand books a year for fifteen straight years. Last year, I sold eighty-one. So I've been writing. Mm-hmm. So now I can get back out there coming soon, and I can start selling. We need to get you off your ramen noodle <laughs> diet, right? Yeah. So what have uh, what is what's some of the topics you've been writing about? Well, I finished a book recently about Sarah Slater, which you probably never heard of, but I like to topics that people have never heard of so Sarah Slater was um, affiliated with John Wilkes Booth and John Surratt she's mentioned in the transcripts of the conspiracy trials numerous times and uh, the book is called Veil of Secrecy because she wore a 
veil over her face so nobody could see her facial features and so nobody could identify her. She was a courier from Richmond to Montreal. Montreal is the head of the Secret Service of the Confederacy, and she, the book is called Sarah Slater, Mrs. Slater, the Missing Lincoln Conspirator, and she was the one of them that got away. Wow. Is this book done yet? Yeah, it's done. Mm-hmm. So is it out for, for purchase? Out for purchase. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. as a relatively new West Virginian uh, that I am, I mean, uh, family's from West Virginia and I'm just from Hagerstown. Uh, it's I've... okay. I lived in Hagerstown <laughs> and I'm from <laughs> Illinois. So oh, okay. Well, I won't hold it against either of you. <laughs> Say, Marsh is definitely a yeah, true West native. Virginian. Um, but one thing that I found uh, fairly interesting was over the weekend was West Virginia Day. And in Maryland, Maryland Day isn't, I mean, I, I don't even know when Maryland Day is, to be honest. But so it's, it seems, it's meh. Yeah, it's kind of, you kind of, you just know it's on the calendar at one point. Uh, but it, West Virginia Day is a pretty big deal. Now, uh, what, in your opinion, what why is it such a big deal for West Virginians? Well, because number one, it was much more current than Maryland's entry into the Union. It was 1863, and it's also interesting because it was the only state that was formed during the Civil War, mm-hmm. and there's still controversy about it today because some people think it, it was done illegally. What, breaking off from Virginia? Right. They want us back? No, no, no. <laughs> people say that, this, that the process they went through was illegal. The, the the U.S. Constitution says <clears throat> a new state may be admitted by the Congress into the Union, but no state shall be formed or erected within the jurisdiction of any other state, nor any state formed by the junction of two or more states or parts of states without the consent of the legislatures of the states concerning concerned as well as Congress. So... West Virginia needed to ask the Commonwealth of Virginia if it was okay to split off. Yeah, but weren't they trying to leave the Union themselves? They already left the so Union. Wh- why so did there, we need their big so fat there was no, <laughs> So there was no state of Virginia. It was called ex-Virginia. In fact, the governor was called ex-Billy Smith. Ex, <laughs> Extra-Billy Smith. Really? He was the governor of extra-Virginia. Well, you would think that West Virginia would have been the extra-Virginia. Right. It doesn't make sense. So so there was nobody to ask. So so the officials in West Virginia set up this quasi-government called the Restored and Reorganized Government of Virginia. And they asked them, and they said, sure, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, by all means. <laughs> hey, buddy, you mind if we start a state over here? Sure. Okay, friend. Sure, see you later. Well, if you're not going to be a state, if you don't want to be a state, you can't have the rights that you would normally have as a state, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too, so to speak. So, you know, but here we are. So now Virginia comes back into the union and they say, oh, excuse me, uh, we lost two thirds of our land mass to this little, <laughs> these little guys over here. Seriously. We're, we were two thirds of their land mass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. See, it is, it's, I don't it, think I, it's, see, I'm not a map guy Yeah. either, so, but I love so you're not a guy either. Right. <laughs> so, but, but I, I hadn't thought of it in that, like really that terms two thirds of what they had property wise, because yep. property big deal. Right. Wow. No and, wonder they were ticked off. Mm-hmm. Well, and most people think that the state was formed because we didn't believe in slavery, but that's not true. 
we didn't believe in slavery, but that's not the reason that West Virginia split off. From the beginning of the state, the Commonwealth of Virginia, there were two laws. One that said in order to vote, you must be a male and you must own uh, 25 acres of tillable land or 50 acres of non-tillable land. We could definitely get 50 acres of non-tillable land uh, out right. here in the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> but most people in the western part of the state didn't own that land because it wasn't tillable. So it wasn't right. any use to them. Why would you go buy 50 acres just so you could vote? That doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. if you couldn't use the land. And so there were very few voters in western Virginia. The governor the justices of the Supreme Court and all those top officials were elected by the legislature. Well, who had more votes in the legislature? The eastern part of the state because they had more voters and it was based on number of voters. So from 1776 to 1850, that restriction was there. So anytime Western Virginia wanted anything, they didn't get it. So is that why Virginia was so, I guess, uh, easy to let go of, you know, Western Virginia because it wasn't, you know, the most, uh, I guess, economically, developmentally Well, it wasn't, it wasn't any, they didn't even care. The, the Eastern part of the state, all their commerce came from across the ocean. The Mm -hmm. Western part of the state, all the commerce came from North and South because there was a mountain range there. Right. So it wasn't even easy to get from one side of the state to the other because of the transportation at the time and everything. But but it's just interesting. It's it's very complicated, but it's just really interesting. One of the <laughs> one of the funny parts of the story is in in Lewisburg, there's a building called the Transylvania Lunatic Asylum. Yep, and they use it for a lot of Halloween events now, and it, it's actually the largest stone cut building in the northern hemisphere. It's has like 900 rooms. I'm pretty sure I saw a ghost there once on a tour. And it was it was Gosh. it was the uh, Weston State Hospital. I said Lewisburg. I think mm-hmm. it's in Weston. Yep. And um, that building was built pre-Civil War. So when West Virginia became a state, Virginia came back after they and said, um, "You you stole our hospital." Now, Virginia put that hospital there so that if anybody went there that was nuts and escaped, they wouldn't be able to find their See, way back home. Yeah, it'd be a little oh, tough gotcha. to get back to Virginia from yeah, there. And so it was it was self-contained. They had their own orchards. They canned their own fruits and vegetables. They had their own meat processing plant there and everything. It was all self-contained. The they, mm-hmm. they had made their own electricity and everything right there. That building is still there today. So and Virginia still can't have it. Well, they sued, and and the and the Supreme Court ruled that West Virginia had to pay them back, really like twenty million dollars for the building and everything. What year approximately was that? Was that well? It was the late recently? late eighteen hundreds. Okay, and hmm. and it took them till like nineteen thirty one to pay it back. <laughs> But now, now they've got the deed and the ghosts. And, and the ghosts, yeah. There's all kinds of ghost adventures well, I would there. Think so because it was a mental institution, I yeah. would think there'd be a lot of ghosts in there. A lot of, yeah. It's creepy. It's a creepy it, place. It, it is. And the cells in there are really small where they kept the mental patients. Mm-hmm. So people would in be very cells. frustrated in life and possibly afterward. So if you go over to Parkersburg, to the Oil and Gas Museum, 
there is talk about how those resources played into the the making of the state and how you know the money from from those might have helped um, ease that process along. Well, the railroad was really important too because the railroad, when when it, the B and O railroad when it crossed the bridge at Harpers Ferry went into Virginia, and went into Virginia all the way up to almost Cumberland, and so. There was a concern about the, you know, future of that railroad because it was in two states, one state in the north and one state in the south. Mm. So that's that's not awkward. Good. Yeah, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> Goodness, we're speaking with local author and historian uh, Bob O'Connor. Now, you said you've been doing a lot of uh, writing. We've already talked about one of your books uh, that you finished up. Uh, any other interesting topics you've been uh, dabbling with? Well, I have a series a trial series coming out. Uh, they're all fiction, but they're based on the real record. Mm-hmm. Um, these are trials of people that should have gone to trial, but never went to trial. Okay. Now trials for what? Civil war. Oh, okay. Okay. Now any certain, uh, so we have the trial of John Wilkes Booth, right? He never went to trial. Huh? He was shot in the barn. Mm hmm. So what if there would have been a trial? What would they have found out? Uh, probably the veil, Lady in the Veil. They'd have found her out. <laughs> Except uh, I'd already written a book about her. So. That's true. <laughs> um, the trial of Jefferson Davis. Jefferson Davis never went to trial. The U.S. government didn't want to try him because they were afraid the Constitution would be tried and they would find out that secession was legal and that would be embarrassing to have fought a war for something that was actually legal it was allowed seriously seriously huh i didn't know that either so he was incarcerated for almost three years never went to trial Hmm. they finally just said forget it and the third one is the trial of not civil war the third one is the trial of lee harvey oswald ah yeah Another one who never went to trial. So when you when you concoct these, and you said they're they're fiction based on real events, and of course the trial never happened. Do you put yourself in any of the positions of like the prosecutor? How do you research what a defense would have looked like? Well, it, it's pretty obvious in each of the trials that there's a lot of testimony that's been done since. So I have the trials in heaven, and so I can take anybody that's alive or deceased as as a witness. For Wait, inst- do they ever have to extradite people from hell? <laughs> well, <laughs> to come and testify. That'd be tough. <laughs> you you'll have to uh, read the book to find that out. But anyway, um, so in John Wilkes Booth's trial, I have William Shakespeare as one of my witnesses. Because he portrayed mad men all the time in right. in, in his plays his and, character and 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 the questions asked William Shakespeare is if if somebody portrayed that on a regular basis and was mad every evening and then had to come back out of character, maybe he would just stay in character. You know, is that possible? And then I have um, some other interesting. Um, witnesses um like aristotle now aristotle's really old he died (laughs) bc right like 400 bc Mm -hmm. and they ask him um 
what the difference between genius and insanity was because he did a lot of work in that field. So, so um, I my my defense um, attorney for um, John Wilkes Booth is Clarence Darrow. Well I, known. I've heard, of, I've heard of this attorney. Say, I'll ask. Never, uh, I'll ask the question. Who that is? He was. He was called the attorney for the damned because he always took cases that were, you know, the public had already made up their mind and he was never going to get them off the hook, but he was well known for getting these people off the hook. And he, he always wore the same clothes every day. It looked like he slept in them because <laughs> he wanted you to think he was one of the, them guys. And right. he, in fact, he said, I, if you think about it, most people that are, wealthy and privileged don't don't get this far they don't get to trial so i don't need to defend them Mm -hmm. so i have to defend the downtrodden you know and the attorney the attorney for the prosecution is somebody that you've definitely heard of but you probably didn't know he's an attorney you know him well for a song francis scott key Ah, he was an attorney for 40 years. No way. That wow. I did not know. So you thought he just sat at home and wrote songs. <laughs> just a composer. Yeah. yeah, I thought he was like a poet or something, I guess. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about Key is that one of his defense or one of his prosecution witnesses is Daniel Sickles. And Daniel Sickles was... Um, was tried for shooting a man before the Civil War in Washington on the street in cold blood in front of all kinds of witnesses, and he got off because he his plea was not guilty for reason of insanity. Mm. But what's really interesting is the man that Sickles killed was Francis Scott Key's son, Philip Key. Really? Oh. So there's all kinds of little intricacies and everything. Goodness. Well, I'm and how do you weave that one. into yeah. your do you is there just a list it's, of characters I like by know. the way or Jay, is Edgar Allan Poe gonna pop out on one of these or uh no. But <laughs> but you did ask if I was gonna tie myself in to these in in the um in another one that I'm working on. This is the fourth one, the trial of um Nathan Bedford Forrest. He uh, was charged with killing a lot of the U.S. colored troops, and I have Bob O'Connor as a witness to tell how many um, U.S. colored troop soldiers there were at Fort Pillow and and how many were killed and how many were taken prisoner and everything because I'm an authority on that. You're the stats guy. I'm I'm one of the witnesses. Wow. So are any of these out for purchase yet? They will be out around, around Christmas. They were speaking with local author and historian Bob O'Connor. We have just a few seconds left. Uh, can you tell people where they can find your work or get in touch with you maybe to talk about some of the things? Yeah, I have a website. It's called www.boboconnorbooks.com, and all of the vowels in that after the at sign are O. So it's B-O-B-O-C-O-N-N-O-R.com. And um, my books are available at Patterson's drugstore and at uh, Four Seasons Books in Shepherdstown, but you can get them online um, from my website too. 
Well, judging by how excited, uh, talking to Marsha, how excited she was to have you on today, uh, I was really looking forward to this, and goodness, this has been uh, so interesting. I appreciate you coming in and speaking with us today, especially on a rainy Tuesday. Thanks for having me. It was nice to be in studio. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll uh, come on back anytime you want, because I love talking about this kind of stuff. But stick around for more here on Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Live, the voice of the Panhandle. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kavalik. Hey! Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton & Janelle, a full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland. You can visit their new historic location at 224 West King Street in downtown Martinsburg. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Nicewarner. Alongside me is Marsha Kavalik. And what a nice conversation with local author and historian Bob O'Connor today. Told you he was cool. That was really neat, especially uh, talking about the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic <laughs> Asylum. That place is super interesting, but super, super Super creepy. I went. We stopped there. I was uh, thinking on a college visit to Davis and Elkins, and my dad's, I think, aunt or somebody in his family lived directly across the street from that when it was Yikes. still like operating. Oh, so my dad was always telling me stories about uh, you know people walking the grounds and stuff like when it people, was open. People walking the oh, grounds. Oh yeah, when it was okay. like functioning and open. But then we stopped there, and uh, yeah, it's uh it's it's definitely an interesting place to go see. I I would tell anybody to go visit it, but if you uh, might be a little afraid of ghosts or creepy places, that might not be the place for okay, you. Okay, so if you didn't know what it was and you walked onto those grounds, would you automatically be creeped out anyway? It's a just a giant rock, huge building that is very oppressive feeling. It's, okay. It, yeah, you definitely, I wouldn't necessarily get like, say you get the creepy feeling first off, but you definitely get the ominous feeling. It just looks like your standard creepy building Mm, not the happy vibes of say a custard's last stand (laughs) ice cream you know we're gonna have to open one of those right right we're gonna have to do it that would be dibs on branding oh yeah i think i've probably seen it somewhere custards custards last last custards custards last stand which we're we're actually referring to custards last stand which will be a presentation by another friend of the program steve french this friday church of christ uh berkeley springs begins at 7 p.m um he's uh, doing an illustrated talk to examine the background as the 145th anniversary is remembered it's free and open to the public absolutely but uh yeah if you missed any of the show today you can always listen back over on our panhandle live facebook page to get things started this morning we had 59th district delegate ken reed on to talk about uh the special session uh going on down in charleston this week and also so Route 9, Route 522, all the things happening with that. And then, of course, uh, before the break, the last break, we had uh, Bob O'Connor on to talk about well, all kinds of uh, local history. And that's a very interesting conversation. So make sure you're listening back to that uh, over on the Panhandle Live Facebook page. But that will do it for us today. For Marsha Kavalik, I'm Jordan Warner. This has, of course, been Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Have a great rest of your day. Try and stay dry out there. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. This is the Panhandle News Network, a West Virginia Radio Corporation station.